Good morning, everybody. Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord. And uh, yeah, we just finished our four weeks uh, orientation class, uh, getting to know Calvary Baptist Church. So that was exciting. We'll be doing that periodically as new new people come uh, come on in and and uh, would like to know more about us and maybe become uh, members with us. Uh, we do have a couple uh, prayer requests that we definitely want to pray for this morning. Uh, one of them, uh, I understand, uh, well, of course, Ed is going to be having surgery on Monday. So we're going to pray for Ed, Ed Young, and surgery uh, tomorrow, okay? And then I understand John's uh, mom is in the hospital. Is that right, Lori? Okay, John Hay, uh, John's mother is in the hospital and is with her right now. So, um, and her name is Dorothy, is that correct? Okay, Dorothy. All right, so let's bow in prayer together and uh, go to the Lord. Dear Father, Lord, we pray right now for these special needs, Lord. We want to pray for Ed as he's getting ready for surgery tomorrow. And uh, we just pray that, um, uh, that your Holy Spirit be with him. Uh, just uh, uh, watch over the surgery. Lord Jesus, you said, uh, my peace I give unto you. Uh, Jesus, be with him. Let him know your peace and your presence. And uh, uh, God, Father, just guide the surgeon. Guide his hand, Lord. Uh, guide his, uh, his mind and his hand and uh, the procedure, Lord. Just let your spirit guide everything and let it be a total success, total success, Lord, uh, on this surgery. Please, Father, watch over Ed and give him a total success in surgery, Lord. And we thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Father, we want to pray for John... Uh, Mother Dorothy, and uh, in the hospital, and he's with her now. We just pray that you you just put your hand upon her and give her your healing touch uh, as well, Lord. Let her know your peace and uh, your comfort, and please heal her body, whatever uh, she's going through right now, Lord. Please give her your healing. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, everyone, so... Um, just a couple of little uh, things before we get into our message is I just want to plug again one more time the men's breakfast, okay? Because this is going to be a first for us. I think it's been a while, right, Joe, since we had one, right? So it's going to be next Saturday, September 3rd. We're going to meet in the social hall, okay? And if I can twist Danny's arm to make his famous pancakes, huh, Danny? Not, I don't think you'd hear me. Okay. But anyway, we're going to meet together at the social hall at 8 o'clock Saturday. Come. We're going to have a fellowship. Bring a friend. Uh, Greg is going to give a little bit, a brief message beforehand, a little devotional. And uh, just have a great time of fellowship with the men, okay? So if you can make it, we'll look forward to having you there. All right. Uh, other thing, too, something, is this a little bit loud? I'm not sure. Uh, something came up, a uh, question about what to, you know, what, what to call me as the new pastor. So I just want to say... If you want to call me Larry, that's just fine with me, okay? I'm, I'm fine with Larry, okay? Uh, you call me whatever you uh, want, just don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> okay. But uh, just wanted to make that point there. All right, you guys. So we're, um, we're going to start a new series today, okay? Three-part series, Love Is. Love Is. So we're going to start it uh, today, and it's going to be... Uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, in just a moment, we'll be reading from there. 
I want to mention as we start, in the book, Know Your Why, Ken, uh, Ken Costa writes about an employee of Dairy Queen, young man by the name of uh, Joel Prusak, who uh, inspired thousands of people, and I'll tell you why. There was, um, you know, uh, one day as he was serving his customers food at, at Dairy Queen, um, there was a blind man that came in, and he dropped a $20 bill on the floor. And uh, there was this woman, I guess she was standing behind him, bent down quietly, picked up the $20 bill and put it in her pocket. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, so John goes over to the woman, and he asked her, young John, asked her politely if she would uh, give the, money, the $20 bill back to the man, to the blind man. And she quite aggressively said, no, that's her money. Okay. So John uh, 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 did something unusually generous. He uh, quietly opened up his wallet, and he took out a $20 bill of his own, and he gave it to the blind man. And he gave the blind man his own $20, and the blind man thanked him. Gracious, and and uh, Dairy Queen uh, continued on the regular business from there. But there was someone in line that saw this whole episode and emailed it to the management, the, the Dairy Queen management, so they would know about the generosity in this young man's heart. And uh, they got it, management got it, put it on Facebook, and before you know it, the whole thing went viral, okay? The whole thing went viral. Two days later, John gets a phone call. Uh, Warren Buffett, <laughs> the billionaire Warren Buffett, he is a major investor in Dairy Queen. Uh, he wanted to uh, thank, and he thanked John for his integrity. And he told him he'd like him to come with him to the next investors meeting at Dairy Queen, the Dairy Queen investors meeting. He wanted him to be there as an employee uh, that represented the company. He wanted to be there to encourage the other investors uh, of this, with this loving, uh, selfless act of selfless love that John made. And he wanted them to be, to be there to highlight him as a part of the fabric, the fabric of uh, the company, the fabric that keeps it united, the fabric that keeps it together, the fabric that keeps it growing. So then, we are going to read in just a moment uh, a letter from the Apostle Paul, and he was writing to a church at Corinth whose fabric was starting to tear. They were, fall, they were starting to uh, fall apart and because they were having divisions and they were having uh, conflicts and they needed a lesson on love. They needed a lesson on God's love. There was, there was um, quarrels going on. A lot of different things they disagreed on. One of them was spiritual gifts. They disagreed about spiritual gifts. Uh, they had some conflicts there, divisions. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, in his two chapters, two chapters he wrote about spiritual gifts, uh, he sandwiched in between those chapters. Uh, uh, he brought in a lesson of love. That's what we're going to read in just a moment. The lesson of love, God's love. God's love that unites. God's love 
that supports God's love, that creates an atmosphere for growth. So if you're ready, we're going to go ahead and read that chapter on love in between those two chapters on spiritual gifts. And we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We'll be reading verses 1 through uh, through 7 and a little bit of 8. Okay, So if you are able and willing, if you can stand with me, We'll read 1 Corinthians chapter, this is, by the way, this is called the love chapter. You'll be, it'll sound familiar to you once you hear it. I mean, almost every wedding I've been to has this read. I know ours will, that's not love. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, ready? It says this. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong. Or a clanging symbol. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have not, if I have the faith to move mountains, but if I have not love, I'm nothing. If I give all my I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. So, this Paul is saying something here. He's talking about the different gifts that you might have. And he says, he says this, there's something more important than spiritual gifts. He's, remember, he's talking about love here. He says, you know, you might have the most magnificent signs to show. You might have the most marvelous uh, miracles But if those signs and if those miracles don't have love, they're nothing. They're empty. They amount to nada. (laughs) Not a thing. Not a thing. Apostle Paul is explaining the importance, the importance of love. Now, he says this. In, 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 the, in the verse leading up to 1 Corinthians 13, right before that, he talks about the most excellent way. And what is the most excellent way? The most excellent way is the way of love. 1 Corinthians 12, 31. It's the way of love. He says that we must, uh, you know, there, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Having God's love. Having God's love is having a love Having something that's the most valuable, it's the most uh, thing that you can have. It's the thing that when you have God's love, you're, you're focused on blessing others. You're focusing on the welfare of others. You're focusing on helping others. It's not a selfish thing at all. Now, Paul, when he writes this section of Scripture, he is painting a picture of what love is. It's a picture that draws a portrait of Jesus Christ himself. In this jewel of scripture, 
God wants us to understand something. He wants us to understand the most excellent way, the way of love. He wants us to understand the heart of love. Understand it. Understand it. Paul lists here 15 characteristics of love. 15 characteristics of what it is and what it isn't. So we're going to look at four this morning. Okay, and they're all in verse 4, by the way. Okay, understanding what love is. Here it is. Number one. First characteristics of what love is. It says in verse 4, love is what? It is patient. It is patient. Now, when you think of love, that's probably not the first thing you think of, is it? Patience. But there's probably a good reason for God putting it first. It's first in the list of all the things that love is. Patience. It is patient. King James, as many of you prefer, it says long-suffering. Long-suffering. That means it's with patient endurance, it's willing to suffer long. And by the way, the word patient here primarily means patient with people. Not necessarily patient with God or waiting on God. Patient, being patient with people. That's why it's talking about love. Love is patient. So, when somebody rubs you the wrong way, what do you need? Patience, right? You need patience. You need patience. Yes, patience. Love people with patience. Being patient is an expression of love. For the believer, it's a fruit of the Spirit. And like any good gardener knows, like Bonnie, she's here today, any good farmer knows, like Joe, Joe Vargas, <laughs> other farmers, the thing about fruit, good fruit takes time to grow. Amen? Good fruit takes time to grow. Now, God wants us to grow, and he's going to put us in situations to help that a little bit. You ever hear somebody say, don't want to pray for patience, <laughs> right? Ah, He might put us in a situation with a difficult person that we have to deal with. That would, But you know what? Even the, with people that aren't difficult, that are pleasant, there's still going to be times that try our patience, isn't it? Patience takes time to grow. It's a fruit of the Spirit of God. For the believer, it is a fruit of the Spirit of God. Now, someone who is patient with the, the patience of God is, is not easily irritated. Someone who is patient with the patience of God has a, is, is not, uh, has, a, has a gentle strength, a gentle strength under stress. Someone who's patient with the patient of God is not short-tempered. He or she doesn't lash out or quarrel because they've grown to maturity in that they have a patience that God has given them. Now, King David was a man like this. King David was in a situation at one time, and we'll look at it in just a moment if you want to prepare to look there. We're going to look at we're going to look at 2 Samuel chapter 16, story about David and his patience. Here's the, here's the situation. His son Absalom wanted to, to, to stage a coup against his father. David was king. Absalom wanted to take the kingship. He wanted to, he wanted to basically kill his father. So he, he, he gathered an army, he gathered people. David didn't want to go to war against his own son. 
So he departed. He left Jerusalem. And on his way, there was a man by the name of Shammai that began to curse David. Not only did he curse him, but he was pelting him with stones. Uh, David had his troops. He had his special guards uh, on his right and on his left. And let's pick up the reading from there. We are going to read from 2 Samuel chapter 16, beginning with verse 7. And it says this, 2 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7, it says, As he cursed, Shammai said, Get out! Get out, you murderer, you scoundrel! The Lord has repaid you for all the blood you shed on the house of Saul, in the house of Saul, in whose place you reigned. The Lord has given your kingdom into your hands to your son Absalom. You've come to ruin because you're a murderer. So here he is. Here's Shammai. Well, you gotta, you gotta admit he's got a little courage there. I mean, he's got David and his whole army there, and he's he's cursing him. He's cursing him. You see, now let's take a look at the very next verse. Abishai, one of the guards of David, says this. Abishai, son of Zariah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord, the king? Let me go over and cut off his head. <laughs> that, that would have been an easy fix, right? That would have been an easy fix. Let me go cut off his head. David said no. David had patience. Let's continue. Let's continue. Verse 10. Uh, second part of verse 10, it says, If he is cursing me because the Lord said to him, Curse David, who can ask why do you, cur why do, you do this? David said, then said to Abishah and all his officials, My son, my own flesh and blood, is trying to kill me. How much more then is this Benjaminite? Benjamite? Leave him alone. Let him curse. For the Lord has told him to. It may be the Lord will look upon my misery and restore me to his covenant blessing instead of his curse today. So what is David saying? David's saying, let him curse. This might be something God has allowed to help me, to, to cause me to grow. This might be something God has allowed that he's going to repay me for good, for enduring it. Verse 13. Verse 13, and then so, so Shammai, here's Shammai. you got to get the picture in your mind. So David and his men continued along the road while Shammai was going along the hillside opposite, cursing him. And look at this, and throwing stones at him and doing what else, showing, showering him with dirt. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> the king and all the people. When they arrived at their destination, were exhausted. <laughs> and there he refreshed himself. Finally, David got a break. David got a break from the cursing, from the showering of dirt, from the throwing of stones. You know, it took a lot out of him. Isn't that interesting? It was exhausted. But he had long suffering. Huh? He was willing to endure with patience. Now. I want you to hear what happens next. Absalom. David's son is killed. But it's against David's will. David didn't want him killed, but he's killed. 
David and his men go back to Jerusalem. And who do, they, who, who do you think they see on their way back? Same guy, Shammai. Let's pick it up, verse 19, chapter 19. Chapter 19. We're going to look at verse 18 and 19. And now uh, with Shammai, it's a little different story. Because <laughs> he knows now Absalom dead. David's coming back. He's going to be the king. And he says this. Chapter 19, verse 18 and 19, it says this. They crossed the ford to take the king's household over and to do whatever he wished. When she, here comes Shammai again. When Shammai, son of Gera, crossed the Jordan, he fell prostrate before the king and said to him, May my Lord not hold me guilty. He's, he's going on and asking David, Please forgive me for what I did. Now, you have Abishai, the one that wanted to be, take his head off. Do you remember that? Let's take a look. Continuing on. Abishai, it says this. Uh, 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 where are we? In verse, in verse 19, he said, to, uh, May my Lord forgive me. Or don't, do not remember how your servant did you wrong on that day uh, when you left Jerusalem. May the, uh, may the king put it out of his mind. For I, your servant, know that I have sinned. But today I've come here as a first of the, tribe of, uh, of the tribes of Joseph. Okay, let's go to verse 21. Then Abishai still wants to kill the guy. Look at this. Abishai, son of Zariah, said, shouldn't Shammai be put to death for this? He cursed the Lord's anointed. What does David say? Verse 23. Last part of verse 23. The king said to Shammai, you shall not die. He forgave him. He had patience. Love is patient. He endured his suffering, and God blessed him. He rewarded David by bringing him back the kingdom because David exercised. Now, what can we learn about David's patience? Two things. What do we learn about David's patience here? First this. David was slow to anger. Do you know that's one of the characteristics of God? It says Psalms uh, chapter 145, verse, verse 8. Psalms 145, verse 8 says it this way. It says, it says, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. That's what he wants us to have with our patience. He wants us to be slow to anger. What does it say, James 1.19? Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. All right? That's the first lesson we learned from the patience of David. He was not quick to become angry. He was a patient man. Second. He did not quarrel. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 24. The Lord, I'll say that again. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 24. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. We're not to be quarrelsome. We're to be patient. We're to endure with long suffering. Love is patient, even in the most difficult situations, even with the most difficult people, like Shabai. <laughs> Patience. Patience. All right, so we've said that love is patient. That's the first characteristic. Now let's go on to number two. Not only is love patient, but love is kind. Love is kind. Another characteristic of God is that he is kind. God didn't just create kindness. God is kindness. Everything God does, everything God provides for us, he provides for us out of his kindness. Acts chapter 14, verse 17 
Acts chapter 14, verse 17 says this, talking about the kindness of God. And it says this, it says, yet he has not left him himself without a testimony. He has shown kindness by giving rain from heaven and, and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your heart with joy. And it's all out of his kindness. The Bible says he, he makes his rain fall on the just and the unjust. Don't matter. Uh, even those that don't believe in God. Even those that are enemies of God. He still shows his kindness. And when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Our, the Bible says it this way. Salvation is due to God's kindness. Titus chapter, Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3, verse 4 and 5. It says it this way. Titus chapter 3, verse 4 and 5. It says it this, this way. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing and rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. And it's all because of his kindness. We're saved because of God's kindness. That's a characteristic of our Lord that he wants us to have. He wants that. Be kind because God is kind to you. Be provide, he has provided for you, love others with his kindness. Jesus gave a parable about kindness in Luke chapter 10. He was being asked about, uh, you know, this expert in the law asked him a question, and Jesus, in return, told him the story about a man of kindness. And it goes like this. He says, there was a man from Samaria. Uh, Samaria... He would have been considered an enemy of the Jews. Now, in this story, Jesus told this parable. There was a Jewish man that walked down a lonely road. He was attacked. He would, everything that he had was taken. He was beaten, and he was left for dead. There was a temple priest that came down that same lowly road. He saw the man in a pool of blood. <coughs> he didn't stop. Went over to the other side. And then there's a, another temple helper came down. A temple helper came down the same lonely road. He walked down the road. He heard this man groaning. Uh, he didn't stop. He went over to the other side. But then, here comes the man from Samaria riding on his donkey. And he, he sees this man in the road, pool of blood groaning, needing help. He stopped, and what did he do? He, with compassion, the Bible says he had pity on him. He, he, he washed his wounds. He poured wine on his wounds, poured oil on his wounds. He put them all upon his donkey, and he walked with him, alongside him, until he got him all the way to the inn. And then when he got to the inn, he stayed with him all night long. He took care of this man. In the morning, this Samarian gave money to the innkeeper, and he, and he said, here's the if he needs anything, here's the money to take care of. If you need anything else, spend any more. When I come back, I'm going to give it to you. See, that is a kind of kindness Jesus wants us to have. That's the parable. I'm sure you know it, the Good Samaritan. 
That's the kindness he wants us to have. Kindness where you're aware of the needs of others. Kindness where you take time to help others. Kindness where you're putting yourself out to meet others, the needs of others in the name of Jesus Christ. Kindness. You know, a lot of times you hear the word today, uh, random acts of kindness. Well, the Bible tells us the kind, our kindness isn't just to be random. Our kindness is to be spirit-led, spirit-empowered, to show the kindness of God. You see, God's kindness is, is meant to be a magnet. Romans chapter 2, verse 4 says this, The kindness of God leads us to repentance. It's a magnet. It's meant to, to lead us to him, to draw us to him. Let the kindness of God be known in you. Uh, show his, the kindness of his love so others will know his love through your kindness. Kindness. Love is kind. Love is kind. So we've said love is patient. Love is kind. Now third, the third characteristic is this. I'm going to turn a negative into a positive. It says this. Love does not envy. King James says it is not jealous. It is, it, it is not jealous. Love is not discontent when it sees somebody else's, somebody else's success. It's, it, it's, when it sees somebody else's, it's not displeased when somebody else succeeds. Love, it doesn't resent someone or, or dislike someone just because they have something you don't or have something you desire. Love does not... Uh, Love is not discontent. If somebody has a better house, nicer car, well, maybe the car, uh, <laughs> a happier family or more talent or whatever, right? <laughs> I'm trying to give away. Well, I got two cars. I'm trying to give one away. But anyway, they're older, older cars. <laughs> but anyway, love is not jealous. Love is not jealous. It is content. It is content. You know, jealousy is content in the Lord. Jealousy is a very dangerous emotion. It is the opposite of love. It's concerned about selfish desires rather than God's desires. Selfish pleasures rather than God's pleasures. Jealousy is a very dangerous emotion. There's a cure for it. There's a cure for it, and that is this. The cure for jealousy is to be thankful for what you've got. Enjoy what you have instead of focusing on what you don't have. Be thankful for the lot God has given you. Psalm, Psalm chapter 16, verse 6. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly inheritance. It's talking about the boundary lines of God's, what God has given you in life. Be thankful for where you're at, who you are. That doesn't mean you're not going to try to strive to grow and, and expand for God's glory. But don't be jealous. Don't be jealous of, uh, uh, of somebody else. We're not to be that way. We're not to be that way. We're to have a heart. It means we're to have a heart. We're content. We have a heart that, 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 that's in a place of peace. It's in a place of security. And it's, it's, a, it's a place of contentment. Love is content. The Apostle Paul said it this way, Philippians chapter 4, verse 12. 
He says, I've learned. He says it this way. He says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. And I've learned the secret, listen to this, of being content. Again, in any and every situation, whether I'm well fed or whether I'm hungry, whether I'm living in plenty or whether I'm living in want. And he's done both. He's been on both sides. He's lived, lived a wealthy life. He's lived a life of poverty. And right now, in this letter, where is he writing from? He's writing from a prison cell. And here he says, I'm condemned. He is under a death sentence. And he says, I'm content. you know why? Because his focus is not on himself. His focus is on Jesus. How do we know that? The very next verse. He says, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. He was content. Because, you know, he wasn't jealous because he wasn't going on vacation. Huh? He was rejoicing because Jesus was with him. And he was living his life for the glory of God. He was living his life for the glory of God. You know, when you live with a life, when you live your life with a heart of love, you live your life with a heart of love, you don't have to be jealous of others. You can rejoice with the blessings of others. Not only rejoice with their blessings, but hurt with their hurts. This is the lesson of love Paul is trying to get across to the Corinthians. Remember I told you they had division. They had disagreement. They had conflict. And one of the areas was spiritual gifts. So Paul was telling them this. Because some of them were jealous about spiritual gifts. And Paul is telling them this. We'll take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 25 and 26. Paul is instructing them, instructing them how to love each other, instructing them that your gift is part of the body of Christ. Whatever gift you have, that's the part of the body that you are. And he says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with verse 25. So then, there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part should suffer with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. You see, that's what love is about. You're sharing in your experiences. You're not jealous of somebody. You're rejoicing with them. Or you're hurting with them. But that's what love does. That's what love does. <laughs> love is content in the Lord, understanding. And so we've talked about understanding the heart of love. Not only is it patient, not only is it kind, not only is it content, but fourth and finally, love is unconceited. Check verse 4 again. It says, it is not proud, I'm sorry, it does not boast, and it is not proud. Love does not brag and have arrogant pride. It's unconceited is not concerned. It's not concerned about feeling superior or looking down on somebody else. It's unconceited. Pride swells the mind and hardens the heart. Arrogant pride is the, it, it destroys relationships faster than almost anything else. Why? Because it blinds a person 
from knowing their own wrong, from understanding their own sin. Psalm chapter 36, verse 2, in his own eyes, he flatters himself too much to detect or to hate his sin. You see, when you're inflated with ego, with arrogant pride, you're unable to, to find your own fault. You cannot detect your own sin. Arrogant pride. It's not the way of love. That's the way of the devil. Do you know the Bible says the devil one time was a beautiful angel in heaven with God? The devil one time was a beautiful angel in heaven with God. It was his pride that caused him to rebel. Ezekiel chapter 30, uh, 28 verse 17. It was his pride that caused him to rebel. And God said this. To save him. Ezekiel chapter 8, verse, 20, verse 17, it says this. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings. It was his pride. Arrogant pride is not the way of love. It's the way of the devil. Amen. The Bible tells us. You see, the way of love, the most excellent way is the way of love. It's a way of humility. It's a way of unconceit, and it's a way of confession. I said that arrogant pride will destroy a relationship in just about as fast as anything, but a humble heart that will, 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 make, will, call, will, will bring confession is where confession is made. A humble heart is where uh, healing happens. Where confessions are made, where sin is seen. Instead of destroying relationships, it heals relationships. Jesus didn't have any sin to confess, but he showed us what humility is. The supreme example of humility. The Bible says we're to have this attitude, this mind of Jesus Christ for each other. Put on this mind of Christ, and it's in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, beginning with verse 3, it says this. It says this. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit. Remember, be unconceited. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationship, boy, isn't this a good instruction of how to live on the Christian life, huh? Uh, in your relationships with one another, listen to this now, have the same mindset of Jesus Christ. Who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Jesus shows us humility by his death on the cross. And on the third day, he rose again and had victory over the grave. The heart of love is a heart of humility. It's unconceited. It doesn't brag. It isn't boastful. So then, understanding the heart of love, we've looked at it. 
Love is patient. It's willing to suffer long like the fruit of the Spirit it, 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 that it is. Patience is something we grow in. And it's something that God rewards. He rewarded David for putting up with Shammai. God rewarded David, his patience, and he renewed his kingship. Love is patient. Not only is it patient, but it is kind. It is kind. God's kindness is shown in how he provides. Like the good Samaritan, we need to provide. Provide his love and kindness so others will know his kindness, his his kindness through our love. Third, love is content. It's not jealous. It's content. It's thankful what, for what God has given, not focused, on, uh, uh, not focused on ourselves, but focused on the Lord. And fourth and finally, love is unconceited. It's not blinded by pride, blinded from its faults and its sins. Unlike Satan, who fell because of his pride, love's supreme example is the humility of Jesus Christ. Love is a fabric that unites us. Joel Prusak, that young man at Dairy Queen, was highlighted for his selfless act of love. Warren Buffett acknowledged the, the need. Acknowledged the need for people like him in their company. As you and I follow Jesus Christ, there is a need. There is a need for each one of us to have that heart of love. The heart that shows the portrait of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for showing us in your word what love is. And we're not saying, you're not, it's not saying it's easy, Lord, but you're showing us the way, the most excellent way. Help us each to walk in that way, Lord. Help us to have the patience of that David had and help us to, to be kind, uh, Lord, and, and, and not only be kind, Lord, but be unconceited and be content, Lord, with the things that you have given us. Teach us, Lord. Teach us to love as you want us to love. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.